Questers. Pre-show Tuesday, the Curse of Oak Island, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, here in the USA. How's everybody doing since the last time we've spoken to you last Wednesday? I hope everybody's good. Getting ready for that holiday spirit. We'll be with Judy tomorrow at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time to go over tonight's show. I'll be on Discord tonight at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time to talk to you guys. And um, we got a great show tonight. Always our pre-shows are pretty fancy. Lots of action. And we'll get to our hellos. Here we go. Hello, Gloria. Robot. John. No hat till tomorrow, Ken. No hat till tomorrow. Hello, Neil. Hello, Jeff. Robot. B-R-I-N. B-R-I-A-N. Yep, Robot. Ray D. Tim, Ashley, Maureen, last show to 2024, we got another show tomorrow, Peter, next week, we're not around, too busy eating, hello, sideways, good evening, Susan, Leaving Carol, Judy Neal in the house. Thank you for everybody coming in on this pre-show. And Susan Coyle, thank you. Thank you so much. Again, I want to thank all my supporters who support the channel uh, on YouTube membership side every month. Uh, Patreon, a couple of people there. I thank you so much. I'll give you individual shout-outs of my membership paying members um, tomorrow. Even though I have some uh, projects that the paying members will get information I get at least 12 to 15 hours private before it goes onto, uh, onto the public. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Noel. Hello, Christopher. I want to put a couple of things on here. <clears throat> As you see, I'm wearing a Quest uh, hoodie. If you're interested in a Quest hoodie, I don't know the prices yet, uh, please email me at questofoakisland at aol.com for a hoodie price. They're pretty expensive. And uh, I bought one. So we'll see how it goes. If not, don't worry about it. No big deal. Alrighty, we got tonight's episode, The Great Flood, which is episode seven. Hello, Andrea. January 2nd in the new year. I think next Tuesday's a drilling down, guys. I don't know. I haven't seen anything yet. Episode eight, it's a void at all cost. January 9th, episode nine, filling cavities. January 16th, episode 10 is called Chain Reaction. And January 23rd, episode 11 is called Plugged Up. Like I'm saying, this shirt here is extra large with a hoodie and a big pocket on the bottom. I mean, I'm six foot, about 220, and it's nice and comfortable. Large would be a little bit too tight for me. Medium, forget it. Uh, men's sizes. So we'll see. So let me know. Alrighty, we're going to have a call-in in a little while also. My guest tonight is, thank you, Sideways. Thank you so, so much. Hello, Becky. Hello, Franklin. He's been on before. His name is Brian Farrell. Brian has appeared on The Curse of Oak Island in Season 10, Episode 13, All's Well. 
give a warm welcome to my friend Brian Farrell. Hello, Brian. Hey, John. Hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Yep. It's the season to be jolly. Some some people, it's tough for them at the holidays, but you got to go forward. You got to push through. You know what I mean? Yep. Busy time. Yep. Hello, Gary. Hello, Brenda. They're still coming in. And um, it's unbelievable. Well, we'll go through... Uh, a couple of things that I was talking to pre-show with Brian. Uh, we'll go through uh, some of the information you have through Don Rules or uh, Zena's map, as they call it, about a star map. And uh, you want to speak a little bit about that, Brian, to the people that don't know you. I mean, they don't even know if you were on, so I'm telling them you've been on Season 10, Episode 13, but you got a, new, a lot of new members, a lot of people that don't know you. Mm-hmm. So if you want to give a little introduction of you and Oak Island and how you got there and for the new members, and uh, I would thank you so much. Thank you very much, Brian. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I was on last year um, and um, I presented a theory that was, um, I guess, based really on Nolan's cross and uh, a bunch of um, geometry and mathematics and numbers that are associated with um the, the different measurements between the cones of Nolan's cross. Um, and then ultimately how those um, dimensions and measures would lead to a location uh, for the money pit that is um, based on, on uh, my findings in Nolan's cross. Hmm. So um, that's what I presented to everyone at, um, at Oak Island. And um, I think they're, uh, slowly heading in that direction this year unbelievable so have you watched the season like we mentioned before do you think they're in like you're saying the right direction of what we're supposed to find or unfind maybe some crumbs maybe some big shiny things what is your opinion on them with their drill program with the progress as far as with this, and I've been yelling this for two years, Brian. Holy mooyan! Because I always put all my bag, all my eggs in one basket with this mooyan technology to show us underground cavities, underground rectangles, and then get to the GPS coordinates, have choice drilling, go over that hot spot that mm-hmm. Steve shows them where the drill, and put that drill right in there, 190 feet, 200 feet. How do you think that's going and progressing as the show's going on? Thank you, Brian. I think the Muon uh, technology is going to be a game changer for them this year. Um, not only, I mean, it, it's also been used in the Great Pyramid of Giza. Um, you know, they 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 tested that. I think they put the, the Muon sensors mm-hmm. in the ground for a couple of years, and um, they actually uh, used that to mapping to find um new chambers in the in the pyramid that um didn't exist so i believe in the technology and um the maps and the 3d um models that they showed this year certainly look um intriguing um so i think um if they can sort of correlate the two which i'm sure they can and drill in the right place i think we're going to get some interesting finds um i think aladdin's cave tonight going to be very interesting to see how um all of this imaging and um underwater camera work turns out right now the muyan that we saw two years ago when it showed the animation of the atoms or whatever the heck is going on and it showed if it would show a rectangle uh box and stuff like that as they go to aladdin's cave and drill it that was the whole purpose of Muyan to ho- go to a direct place, don't make Swiss cheese out of the whole place, and go directly to the hot spot, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it looks like they've got three good spots. They've got something over by the garden shaft. Yep. Um, and then they've got um, this Aladdin's cave, and then something else that's a little bit deeper than anybody suspected. So, 
Right. They had a uh, target, I think, at 230 feet. Mm-hmm. And, but don't forget that void area. C1 had voids up to 10X. They had voids at 230 feet. So that area is susceptible to caverns or voids or natural occurring limestone issues anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah, the limestone bedrock sort of and the salt water, I think, don't react well together. And I think they can lead to some of these underground caverns and stuff like that forming. So maybe one of them is going to be an underground cavern, a natural cavern, possibly. But I should have downloaded it up. When they showed last week the Ledin's Cave, because it's going to be about Ledin's Cave and uh, all the water coming in the garden shaft tonight, and, mm-hmm. and the cam- and the camera uh, pictures. Um, do you think there was, I don't know if you saw it, but you said you did, the entrance and exit out of these caves? I mean, can you actually see an entrance and an exit out of these caves through this technology? Because the 3D, I had a hard time seeing the 3D myself and get coordinated. I saw where the garden shaft is, but I didn't see where the C1 shaft is. That's still in there, the big steel what's it like 52 inch uh caissons there i didn't see that in the muyan uh well they probably end up in the data but i think what the after they do the modeling and the um i guess you know whatever computer programming they need to do i would suggest that they eliminate those out of the you know the presentation to the group um Hmm. because it would be too um it would be too busy there would be too many things in the image that you couldn't see so i think that's part of what they do when they process these images is they um remove some of the the data that they don't need to to have there all right let's go over some screenshots then we'll get into some of your uh theory okay sure all right this is when uh, marty and rick will be going down to the garden shaft when it's finally pumped out. That's tonight. It must be pretty safe for them to go down in there, even though water was pouring in there, I guess, you know, Brian? Yeah. I mean, the, the pumps would be adequate to, um, to take care of it, but I was surprised in the previous episode when they, showed how much water was actually in the garden shaft. I mean, it was a couple of feet down or whatever, if I recall. Yeah, it was only two feet down. The rest of the 78 feet was submerged. So a lot of water. And um, I would think like, you know, sometimes in construction, we dewater sites and it takes quite a bit of time to make a change to the water table. And it sort of had all winter to to do its thing. Um, They could be a little bit deeper right now too and have hit... um, you know, a flood tunnel. Yep. And they said, I mean, I've done construction myself, and they said, well, the water strengthened the wood. What kind of wood gets strengthened in water? I know they find like old tree trunks in the rivers for a hundred years and the wood's valuable. How do, what is a shaft wood? How does that get better? Um, yeah, there are some woods that perform better in water. Um, one that we use quite a bit sort of up where we are is, is hemlock. Um, it, um, just seems to like the water and and it preserves well in water. Um, I know that the membrane that they're using on the outside of the garden shaft is a geotextile cloth and, um, it's a sort of fabric sandwiched in the middle with a clay bitumen. And then when it gets wet, it becomes a, a waterproof layer that protects the outside of the shaft. Right. Um, I thought it was a pumped-in type of phone member. So we want to repeat what kind of material that is again, uh, Brian, for the waterproofing of the shaft and why the water would still be coming in on the sides, not up from the top. As it's pumped out, it's coming right through the sides and the membrane. Uh, could you explain a little bit of that for us, Brian? Thank you. Yeah, I don't know why it's coming through. It looks like it is coming through some of the sides, but, you know, the water table might still be higher on, you know, the outside of the shaft and the inside of the shaft um and there might be some pressure there but the they basically they're using like a a fabric cloth okay it's um about a quarter of an inch thick and it's um 
it's got a fabric on two sides and a, the center is sort of like a sandwich like an oreo cookie of a clay material and um when it gets wet it becomes a, a great waterproofer so sort of similar and funny that they you know there's lots of clay around in the money pit area but that's what they're actually using as a part of the waterproofing system okay what side of the shaft i mean how do they attach it to the outside of the shaft say the first 25 feet how does it stay on the wood on the outside uh, it's a fabric you roll it around and you okay. there's a fastener that that fastens it to the outside all right so there you go guys there's the waterproofing material from an expert and the guys go down there tonight into the garden shaft that's why it's called the great flood and i told like brian we had a ton of water this summer and they saw earlier brian uh, sometimes we have a drone that flies over and uh they must have pumped out the swamp you know five times this past year if not more from the amounts of rain we got here from northeasterns coming up the coast oh yeah i'm sure the pump in this shaft is running all the time never shuts off when they're hearing a lot of creaking this is well <laughs> settling yep everything's new everything settles right brian they're, they're not on shock absorbers this thing this thing's all built stiff i don't see no expansion joints in a shaft well, plus the water is eroding things too as it sort of touches stuff and whatever it could carry things away or whatever soften the bottom so yeah i'm sure it's uh moving around a little bit right and shafts don't have any play in it there's no expansion in a shaft it just goes straight down solid that's it mm -hmm. exactly and then they did run a camera down the uh, pipe and this is at the aladdin's cave part mm -hmm. and i think they're gonna do another uh sonar and my question to you since you're into architecture and stuff like that are you telling me that there's no type of metal detector that has like a six inch diameter like a torpedo that once they get past the metal pipe casing and into a big void that they can't survey like a 20-foot area for any kind of metal hits and then say well we drilled this hole we're in here we got a 20-foot radius of no metal hits at all or does it got to be right on the ground every foot every foot does it has to be on the ground does the pad have to hit the ground go ahead brian yeah i'm not a metal detecting expert i mean i that sounds like a great device um uh. i don't know if that device exists or not um i'm more familiar with um you know sort of the the sonar mapping and yep. um obviously we all understand sort of the uh underwater cameras and um right now they have underwater lidar too so all those are interesting ways to um to create some images but um in the preview it sure looks like they're going to find something interesting in the cave tonight so i hear you I hear exciting and the camera's in Aladdin's cave tonight, guys. So watch it real closely tonight. See what we'll see. I'm getting tired of these foggy pictures. I want a nice, clear, crisp picture like we get from Mars on the remote cameras in Mars a million miles away. And I would hope they would have a nice, crisp picture of what it looks like down there. You know, guys? I'm sure they want that, too. <clears throat> Of course, oh my God, look at that. That's what everybody's waiting for. It could be man-made. I couldn't get a clear picture from the screenshot, so uh, we'll have to watch uh, watch tonight. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah. Brian, this is part two, I guess. Uh, if you want to bring up your presentation and talk about the star map on Zena's map or Don Rue's map. But before we do that, what's your opinion on the 
maps of Xena or Don Ru on the validity of it. Is it a true map? Is it a cloudy map? Is a what's your opinion on your side through your research? I know a lot of your research, you know, comes off of Nolan's Cross, but mm. we're just talking about this map, you know, from 1347 or 1309, whatever the heck it is. What's your opinion on that on your side? Go ahead, Brian. Thank you. Well, yeah, like I, I love the idea of the map. Um, I've read Zena's books. Um, I think it's a, a very romantic um, sort of answer to um, the Oak Island mystery. Um, and um, I guess I guess it sort of got cloudy or clouded sort of by, um, I think, Don Rue, I think is the name, and, and Zena. Um, there was some sort of, I guess, questions about who sort of owned the map or who rightfully owned the map or had the right to present it to the show or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so unfortunately, I think that sort of puts a bit of a dark cloud over the, um, the map itself. And um, at first, I wasn't really a, a believer in the map, but, um, you know, sort of the romantic side of me wanted to believe in the map. So I, I took a little deeper look at the map and um, there's some interesting, you know, coincidences in there. And if the map is a forgery, um, whoever sort of made it um, came up with some, you know, some really interesting sort of mm. things in there that, you know, connect with not only um, my sort of ideas and research, but with other people's too. Mm. Um, and somehow they all seem to relate to, to Oak Island and the money pit. So um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting artifact to, uh, to take a look at for sure. Okay, Brian, thank you. All right. Now, if you share your screen, I'm going to have to click on it here when I see it. Okay. I'm going to um, try to do this. Okay. No problem. be with you in a second members I'm just going to share his screen is that working nope it hasn't come up here yet i got it i got it okay okay so um there you go yeah this is a little drawing that i did it's in my book um and this is sort of where i you know i guess so brian brian just yep. hit that bar on the bottom and just say hide. Okay, got it. Beautiful, beautiful job. Thank you, Brian. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, through my research, I found that the the long axes of Nolan's Cross um, aligns with some astrological events, um, mainly the solstices and the equinoxes. And obviously, those are very important um solar events um in our in our year um and um so when i look at nolan's cross it's it's sort of on an angle of 30 degrees um north of east and um coincidentally in the summer uh solstice the sun rises exactly on the axes of nolan's cross at 30 degrees um northeast um also happens in the spring equinox and um cygnus is present also um above um the sun uh on both of those um on both of those days and times so interesting that cygnus is um called the northern cross and on oak island we have nolan's cross mm. um so it sort of makes an as above so below Mm -hmm. um, situation but if you stand at cone a of nolan's cross and you look uh, at the sun rising on the solstice it will align uh, with nolan's cross and then on the winter solstice um it the sun rises over the money pit area um on the winter solstice the sun sets over the westerly end of nolan's cross and 
on the summer solstice, um, the sun sets over Cone C of Nolan's Cross. So it sort of appears to me that Nolan's Cross may have um, some astrological alignments that may be important and that were intentional by uh, whoever built Nolan's Cross. So um, I started to look at Noel, uh, at Zena's map. Can you see the, the new image here, John? I see it. Okay. So I started to look at Zena's map, and this is basically Zena's map. I recreated it um, myself um, and sort of put the the French notation and the English notation beside each of the um, various um, notations that Zena had on her map. Mm -hmm. um, and two of the um, things that have been talked about in the past are called the anchors. And I started to think about, you know, well, what would be the best anchor? And um, really the best anchor in my mind would be something to do with the sun. So I started to think, okay, well, what if the anchors was a reference to um, the sunrise? Because the indication on the map shows it in this top right corner, sort of of the elephant's head there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, could that be referring to the summer solstice sunrise, and which I knew aligned with Nolan's cross? And then I looked at the other anchor down here, sort of at the bottom, and I realized that um, that seems to align with um, the sunrise on the winter solstice. So could the anchors on Zena's map be referring to the solstices? Um, mm -hmm. I thought that's pretty interesting. And I'd already sort of confirmed um, that the sun did, in fact, do that. Um, then we have some other piece, key pieces of Zena's map. We have the triangles. We have over here on the bottom of the map, we have the triangle of stone or the triangle de pierre. Mm -hmm. And then over here, sort of on the other side of the swamp, we have a notation which says the triangle de, which is the triangle of God or, you know, could refer to. So I started to think about what could that refer to in terms of an astrological piece. And summer triangle would refer to the triangle over here, the red triangle. And the winter triangle would relate um, to the green triangle on Zena's map. And on the equinoxes, when you um, look up into the sky, you will see the summer triangle to your right and the uh, winter triangle to your left. So again, sort of keying in a couple of sort of the notations on Zena's map that seem to fit with some of the um, astrological events that I, I had found. Um, and then, you know, not to forget that um, part of my theory was the gematria of Oak Island. And um, 864 is a number that's encoded in... Um, the Isle de Chen, and it's also um, referring to Oak Island. And then we have a notation on Zena's map that says the vault at the base of the earth. And in Gematria, that means 216, which means um, the inner sanctuary or temple. Mm -hmm. So, you know, could that be what the resting place of the treasure is? So anyways, um, some interesting things that kind of make me think about Zena's map and... Um, whether or not um you know it may be valid or not okay is that it yeah yeah i, I mean maybe take some questions now yep and also i want to thank a new member betty robinson i thank her for joining the show in the group and also brian did a great guest blog for daniel spino and charlotte wheatley go to the oak island Capenum. If you want to have more details of maybe we're missing something, but go there. Mm -hmm. A well-dedicated de uh, blog. I give them all the credit in the world, too. So let me get the phone number up and see who wants to call in and talk to you yourself. Ask questions in chat. And, of course, I always tell people when I promote you 
put any questions you have for Brian underneath and everything. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have information or questions for Brian? Ready? Either call in, text, on chat, even on season 11, season 10. He watches the program. Ask him anything. You guys be the interviewer. Season 10 was very interesting. Yeah, it was. It was a really good season. I think this one's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. We hope so. But I know a lot of people up there, and I keep on telling them. Is any electric fences 10 foot high put up around the outside of the island yet up there? <laughs> Not that I've heard of, but. All right, this is uh, Luann. Is this a different map than the one the crew has shown before? Yeah, that was one that I recreated because, um, in, for my book, because uh, I don't have the. Uh, the rights to the Xena map or whatever to publish it. So I basically recreated it. So it's basically Xena's map with my new notations overlaid. Okay. Mm -hmm. We got Ken. Does the intersection of these points suggest a significant location? Maybe a dig perhaps? Well, I think the intersection of these points, you know, in my mind goes back to the boulders of Nolan's cross and, um, and I, you know, previously I, I plotted for them my money pit location, which um, is right adjacent the garden shaft, um, mm -hmm. about forty feet away in the baby blob. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm hoping that uh, I think they're sort of heading that way. So uh, we'll see what the season holds. I hear you, Brian. I hear you, Renee. What do you think they will uncover off the coast, if anything? What do I think they'll uncover off the coast? Anything? I'm not sure. Um, I know there were a couple of shipwrecks that were indicated out yeah. there. It'd be nice if they'd find one of those. There's Renee again. Where do you think the origins of the flood tunnels begin from? Um, I think one of the flood tunnels comes from Smith's Cove. Mm. And um, many, many years ago, you know, the the... At the very beginning, the searchers, they were also convinced that there was a, a flood tunnel from the south shore as well. So um, definitely from Smith Cove, potentially another flood tunnel from the south shore as well. Okay, we got to help out hobbies. He's starting to lose uh, interest, so we got to pump him up a little bit here. Mm -hmm. What is your personal opinion? Was something there? If so, is it still there? Hang on, hobbies for the ride. Hang on. You've been with us this long, 11 years. Hang on. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, I think there was something there. Uh, whether or not it's still there, I'm not sure. Um, but I think um, I'm certainly hoping this year they get to the bottom of, you know, maybe find the cave or the offset chamber where things were stored. And, you know, possibly that will give us um, information on the who with the what, the where that Rick's always looking for and um, help us all sort of get to the bottom of this mystery. Okay. Can you align, can your alignment of the solstices be dated? Uh, no, because the solstices and the equinoxes occur in the same place, same time every year. Um, so they're not, um, they're not a, an event that happens like once every 500 years. They happen every year at the same time. We had this one professor that dated Nolan's Cross 1200 AD mm -hmm. from Italy. Mm -hmm. Well, he, he, he took the cross and, and the, some of the boulders and lifted that up into the sky. Um, but the sun, this is the, the solstices and the equinoxes are related to the sun, not to the planets. Okay. And um, and the solar systems, so uh, it happens the same time, same place every year. Right. Questions are coming in hot and heavy now. Mm -hmm. The Xena map location on the vault seems to scale to be quite away from the intersections and current dig. Is that significant to you? 
Thank you, Ken, for all your questions. Keep them coming. Um, yeah, I, I think it is. Um, you know, I, I think maybe there could be another location. Um, certainly the thing that, you know, I find interesting about where the, the notation is on Xena's map, it's, um, it's on the portion of the island, the westerly side of the island, and that, that is a solid slate bedrock. So, you know, if you were to hide something, maybe that would be preferred over this limestone that seems to make natural caverns and fall apart and fill with water. So, yeah, it, it makes me think. Whether yep. or not it's true, I don't know. This is Scott. Any ideas when the cross was constructed? It's all I know. It's not in Glacier Till, so those boulders were put there. That's <clears> all I got. No, I don't have any idea on the dating of the cross. Um, I mean, it would be interesting if the doctors, uh, the astronomers' uh, information there from Italy was true because that would sort of put it in the... Um, time frame of the Templars. Yeah, that's what they want. Mm -hmm. You've been watching the show, so you've got anything be any major discoveries on Lot 5, like that 13-foot round circle, and it's going deeper. Daniel Spino and Charlotte Wheatley said it would be a great, it was like a blockhouse, you know what I mean, for them to yeah. look out on. I said, my God, how did you guys even come up with that stuff? What do you think, Brian? Um, I think Lot 5 is going to continue to deliver um finds um that new um radar imaging that they had was interesting yep. um years ago um when i spoke with um um the owner of lot five i talked to him quite a bit um in robert young robert young for my mm -hmm. research and what have you um he had some magnetic and sort of studies done on the property and he was quite proud of what it found and what it was and he would never disclose to me what it was but hmm. um yeah i think i think lot five is going to deliver more interesting things that um may tie together sort of the time frame and some of this history um about the who what and where okay there's robot question brian nolan's cross referring to sinus the top cone star that was off center by seven degrees. Mm -hmm. Nolan's cross has it straight. Do you believe Nolan moved it to make a straight cross? Thank you so much, Robert. Um, I don't think that it's made to be because if you if it was exactly Cygnus, um, I think the arms are off too. Um, so it's more of um, in my mind, it, it's more of a um not an exact alignment it's an interpretation mm -hmm. it's um it's a symbolic representation of the cross on the ground um had they done that if they had shifted things they wouldn't be able to get sort of the symbology of the sunrise on the solstices and that sort of thing that we found on xena's maps to happen um so i think uh nolan's cross is symbolic and it's drawn straight because uh there's certain things encoded in that that need to lead to the money pit location. Lordy, lordy, holy mooyan. Hello, Scottish digger. Thanks for coming in. Keep them questions coming. Thank you so much for answering these questions, Brian. No problem. I love it. Keep them coming. It's all yours, guys. It's your podcast. There he is. Either call in and talk to him. Or there's our new man sideways. Being that Phil, Will Phipps was a shipwreck, do you think he was using the swamp to cover as a cove to repair ships? We're getting a lot about this Phipps, this Phipps all the time now. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Phipps or whatever. Um, sounds very interesting, though. He was somehow related to the um, to the conception travel yep. treasure or whatever. Yep, and. Yep. Um, I mean, that would be really quite an incredible story if that um, ended up coming to fruition. But, yeah, I don't know a lot about uh, about Phipps. What do you think might be in the swamp, if anything, after all these years? Um, possibly a secret entrance or, you know, something like that um, to another side, to another area of the island. Um, I think Xena map makes a comment there's a dam or there's a 
a mm. valve or something in that area that um so maybe there's some a, a device that drains the swamp or something like that they may find yeah. one day in there it's also curious to me and not curious to me if i had a bunch of land around it was farmland and i had a muck swamp whatever i had broken whatever i had that didn't work would be by dump site you know what i mean they're not going to go off the island because they didn't have a causeway so if they had a mm -hmm. trash bin i think the swamp was the was the trash bin at that time you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah i mean some of the fencing the farm fencing and different things throw it yeah. in there get rid of it yeah Ken's coming up with some good one. That dig of the circular structure on the west side of the island seems close to the Xenomap hole slash hatch. It seems to be happening after you were in involved. Any thoughts on that? Thank you, Ken. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, we like Robert never told me about um, the circular depression when mm -hmm. I spoke to him and I, we talked a fair amount um so like he never gave that away to me so i didn't really have any knowledge of it until um sort of they brought it up in the show and it wasn't a location that i went to when okay. i was on the show but i do think that the i do think lot five and the circular depression are going to be um something interesting and it's going to tie somehow together with the money bit and i'm getting convinced uh, of the military more and more on the surface finds they're finding and how they're dating everything mm -hmm. as far as the circular depression in lot five going back to the templars i don't see no connection there but they did find roman coins that were thousands of years old that throws you all off when you think you got this date in a nutshell and then all of a sudden you get this thing way way off you know what i mean mm -hmm. yep i agree oh, robert robot question have you looked into using Stellarum and how the star chart for the fall equinox lines up with Nolan Cross perfectly with other sites on the island? Thank you, Robot. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I, I used Stellarium myself in my research, so um, I did find some of that on, on myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't. Uh, I haven't sort of correlated it to some other areas of the island, so I'd be interesting to hear. You know, if you've used Stellarium and found a few other things that I haven't found, um, but yeah, I, I I use Stellarium and it's a great program. And any of you guys can go on Stellarium. You can move the map to Oak Island um, and then put in the dates of the solstices and what have you, and um, you can see what uh, happens with the sun setting and rising on whatever date you want. It's okay. a great tool. Hello, Stacy Beck. Hope you're good. Take in the Gregorian calendar versus like the Julian calendar, which has thrown off the dates of the winter and summer solstice. How accurate do you think Nolan's Cross depicts them now? Thank you, Stacy. Thank you, Brian. That's a good question. Um, I don't know a ton about Gregorian versus Julian calendar, um, but uh, so that one's a that one's a really tough one for me to give a an educated answer on um good question something i'll have to look into for sure unbelievable guys you're coming up with great questions i thank you so much keep them coming we're not ready to go yet getting all hyped up for the show tonight in the usa the great flood episode seven Judy will be with me tomorrow at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time to go over all the synopsis and all the facts and diggings and whatever we're seeing tonight with screenshots. That'll be tomorrow night. But uh, you guys are doing good. Just let me know. A couple more questions. Where the heck happened here? Stacy said it might help guide you into a different direction. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look into it. The two different calendars. There's Ken talking to Renee. 
of him being a Norwegian Hetrasty, I tend to think the Templars were influenced by Viking maps and travels too. No question. Just his opinion. Yeah, the Vikings, they're in there. Yeah, they had something to do with it. And I mean, they have the Viking uh, ruins and stuff that they found um, up in Cape Breton Island and where have you. So they were around Nova Scotia as well, for sure, before the Templars. Yep. I hear you. I hear you. Nobody called in, though, but that's okay. We're good. We're good. Any more questions? Like, what else did they find in season 11 that sort of made you scratch your head? I mean, now they got their own lab, uh, Brian. Before, they didn't have this lab that did x-rays and mineral mm -hmm. content. And the minute they find it in the field, they bring it in. And Emma puts it through all this. The equipment they have there is um, all state-of-the-art. Um, that lab used to be, I think, the museum or whatever, and now they've converted it um, wholly into that. And I would say that um, half of it is probably dedicated to, um, like, storage of all the boxes and all the artifacts that they found are sort of on racks and shelves. And then half of it is um, all of the machines and the archaeologists. Yep, and Billy, they put on an extension. I don't know how big it was, but a big extension, like a caboose uh, yeah. extension on the museum. And we haven't heard a word about the 2024 tour yet. Everybody's asking me because they got to put vacation time in, like in January or the end of December for them to get time off. I haven't heard a peep about a 2024 back to the tours. You know, after the COVID, I haven't heard anything. Right. No, maybe it's been slow doing the construction or whatever, or maybe, you know, the busyness of the show affects the construction or whatever, but I'm, I would assume they probably get it all buttoned up this winter when the show is on the island. The lab is done. No, the museum, I mean, the new, the new building they built. Oh, they're building a separate building on top of this building for just the museum? I have no idea. Yeah, they built another building in there now, too. Okay, robot. Question. What do you think about how Xena's map, which shows Oak Island as an island in the 14th century, when ocean levels were 10 feet lower, and wouldn't it be a peninsula? There you go. Yeah, I don't know if the ocean levels were 10 feet lower um, in the 14th century. Um, they were definitely lower. Um I know sort of to the west of Oak Island there, it's it's very shallow. Um, that little round island in the back and between there is mm. probably at low tide up to your waist, maybe six feet. So I don't know if it would have ended up being a peninsula and connected, but um, certainly would have been able to walk there right from shore, like, you know, if water levels were that much lower. Here, here's Ken. We got to put this in here. When this program started 11 years ago, it looked like the brothers were scraping to get a backhoe. You know, with popularity and advertising dollars, Ken. Now they have the equipment and the staff. Treasure hunting must pay well, but you got to have a lot of upfront money, Ken, to get some money back. What do you think of that on the financial side, uh, Brian? Um. I think they've got to make it a popular show um, because the expenses for the show, no other show on TV would have the equipment costs um, and the things that, that they are using on this show. And some of the machinery and equipment so big, it, it must cost a fortune to have there. Um, so, yeah, I would think if the show wasn't popular, it, it would very quickly not make financial sense. I hear the show is a treasure, Doug says. Yeah. I mean, what's on TV nowadays that shows a treasure, or shows the brotherhood? I mean, we're getting a good story. We're getting a good history. And the bonus will be if they actually find something or crumbs that something was there. That's the whole thing. You know what I mean? And that's what's got everybody hooked on it for 11 years. I mean, this is a thing that the guys go out 
It's like me, you, and a bunch of guys, we bought an island, and we go out and do our thing. What they film is what we're doing every day. We don't have any control what the editors and the producers do in California, how it comes out, if they want to make the storyline to the Templars. They want to make the storyline to the Pirates. We're just trying to go mm -hmm. out there and find what we got to find and try to get all these theories together. And yet, all these theories for 11 years, we still don't have, okay, you're right, you're wrong, you're way off, you're close. None of that. It's still all viable. You know what I mean, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I think it's taken a long time to get on the right path. And um, I think the last few years they've been on the right path. And um, now they seem to have the right equipment and the right technology. And um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to cross the finish line. There you go. You heard it from Brian. Big things will be happening soon. And I always said, well, maybe they'll go to season 13 because this number 13 seems to be coming up a lot. Friday the 13th, uh, 13 foot diameter money pit, 13 foot diameter uh, uh, circle depression. This 13 number, Brian, comes up all the time. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. 12 is a good one, too. Um, Welcome, Tommy. But. Um, yeah, 13 feet is money pit diameter, diameter of the, the uh, circular depression on lot five. So, yeah, 13 could be a romantic number for the show. I don't want to wait till 13. I hope they solve it 11, season 11. Here's Robot. If Aladdin's cave proves to be a natural cave and not man-made, what odds do you give that the depositor could dig a tunnel that far underground and meet up with it. It's tough, but I, you know, I mean, ancient tunneling and stuff like that. They, they would tunnel for a distance, and then they would drop an air shaft down so that they could, you know, realign themselves. Um, so, um, you know, that's how they did it in the old days. And um, certainly, when I think this was built, that would have been the technology that they would have to use. So. Um, yeah, they, they they could get a little bit off track, and then they might have to reposition themselves when they, uh, you know, come to check where they are. So, um, yeah, it's a miracle that they could have done this. Now, in the old, old days, if this was like in the 1300s or 1365 or whatever the heck these numbers are coming from, with the Templars or whoever digging these shafts, wouldn't we find a great amount of charcoal? I think... I get a lot of information that's going through Johnny's head. Don't they, if they go deeper for air shaft, don't they set a fire so it draws the oxygen down the shaft to the digger? So we'd be seeing a lot of charcoal sort of in these areas or no? Talk to me, Brian. Possibly, but I mean, you know, if, if you're off, like that's the problem with, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. I mean, mm -hmm. Their tunnel could have shifted slightly. Yours might be straight down, and you missed it by six inches. Um, but I do believe, yes, you're correct in the fact that they did uh, burn uh, wood or whatever, or draw a fire or something like that to help um, take the uh, the gas and bring oxygen into the into the shafts as they were tunneling. And plus, uh, some kind of sticks with some kind of oil on it for lighting all the way down. So I'm just Kerosene, saying there should be a yeah. ton of they should be finding with that flame going all the time, which hits whatever inside the shaft they're digging, we should be finding a lot more coal or charcoal. But maybe that's past because uh I guess they're not into the Dunfield big dig. I guess this place that we're going to was never touched because Dunfield's dig was like a cone. So we're like on the side of the cone where he didn't uh excavate that. That's yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Dunfield sort of ruined part of the money pit. And I think the, the garden shaft in that area up there is sort of in an untouched location. Yeah. And um, if, you know, they keep heading towards the baby blob and my location is in the baby blob, um, you know, maybe we'll find an untouched shaft and then maybe you will see some of that kerosene or some of the charcoal deposits and stuff like that, because they're, they're back into the original 
depositors sort of materials. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you go back into the original depositors and get a date when they date the wood and everything, well, we didn't have no lamps. We didn't have no kerosene. We didn't have any of that stuff. Maybe whale oil or something. I don't know what they would put on this to uh, way back one for flames. What would the, how did the Templars do tunnels and see way back one? Just flame. There's nothing else I can see except if they had a side tunnel that the sun yeah. came in during the day to see down there. I have no idea. Yeah, no, they would have to. I mean, if you've ever looked at the Templar tunnels under Accra, Israel, I mean, they're incredible. Um, they're not uh, they're not wood timber. They're full masonry, and um, the masonry is absolutely beautiful, and these beautiful arches and stonework, and um, the tunnels exemplify their um, their their Masonic skills. I mean, they were they were masters of their craft. So, yep. um, but uh... it's incredible what the ancient people did. Yeah, but all of these tunnels, not wood shafts, but like you're saying, stone tunnels. Let me repeat, my brain is shot. That they're all lit by a flame to either see or dig. Mm -hmm. So one every five feet, if this mm -hmm. flame's on for 50 years, we'd save there's soot right into this cave on the ceiling that's been there for 50 years, 1,500 years. Yeah. But when I look at these caves... When they got the cameras on for TV and everything, I don't see no soot anywhere. You know what I mean? That's that's my question on that kind of crazy question. I don't know if that pertains to what I'm talking about, but that's yep. what I look for. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully they'll find some of that um, coming up this year. So I'm saying the the deeper they go, the depositor tunnels they find, the older stuff we should be finding, you know, burnt charcoal and such like that, right? You, you know, what I mean, yep. the older you go. Yeah, Bro broken old tools. X tools. Yeah, mm -hmm. Scott, do you think the water level must have been low enough for them digging, without being an issue with ocean levels lower? If they're going down 230 feet, they had to hit water. I don't care how old this thing is. That's yeah. my own personal opinion. Yeah, no, I think, and I mean, especially with the size of the island, it's uh, you know not too far in from the shoreline, so. Um, couple hundred feet down for sure you're going to be into water i don't know it's amazing how they did it and um yeah incredible, incredible. You know, how would you get the water out in the 13 say you started this thing 1360 okay how do we get the water out of this tunnel uh i have no <laughs> idea some kind of siphon system yeah they must have had some kind of a siphon system that was yeah draining it down and Braddock no suit in the pyramids either I don't know I just think of them things I don't know why yeah. <clears throat> righty. well guys we'll give one more last question and we'll get out of here I want to thank Brian so much for coming on you see his books in the link with Daniel and Charlotte Wheatley. All the links are there to buy whatever books he's got up on there. Those two books that I have. And if you don't know them, now you know them. And I hope you come back again with more information, new information. I would love to. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, just keep it going, Brian. I'm always here for you. Because I always told my members and everybody else that when we had that last uh, interview, you tell it the way it is. I mean, it's your information. And uh, yeah, we got some new findings. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do those in the new year. Yep. Um, I think everybody will uh, find that very interesting. Yep. All right, I'm going to put you in the staging area, but stick with me. I'll be with okay. you in about a minute or so. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you very much. And uh, fingers crossed, something good find tonight. Yep. Thank you so much, Brian. I'll okay. see you in about a minute. Thank you. Thank you. And there you go, guys. Don't forget, I'll be with Judy uh, tomorrow night, 6.45. Brian's a great guy. Fantastic. Like I said, for his books and stuff like that. And the links go to the Compendium, the Oak Island Compendium with uh, Daniel and Charlotte. Click them links. A lot of things to know about Nolan's Cross. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. But remember... 
members. What do I always say? Always go forward. You may get a setback in your life, but just believe in yourself. Believe in your dreams. No matter how old you are, believe in them dreams. For tomorrow's a never given. Never. In this crazy, crazy world we live in. Oh, my lordy 40. So as my friend Jan says, you keep smiling. You never know what that other person's going through. And you stay safe. Also stay strong and keep that positivity going mentally and physically the best you can. Thank you for joining me and Brian tonight. It was a good podcast. Enjoy the show tonight at 9 o'clock. I'll see you on Discord at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time later on to talk to you guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. Take care. And bye-bye. <laughs>